As much as it pains us to admit it, the summer is done and dusted. It's back to the grind, and memories aren't the only things we'll be taking back with us. If you're like me and you've packed on a couple pounds, it's time to get back in shape. Now drop and give me ten. We're going to break a sweat as we take a gander at the gripping world of gyms on today's FYI. Welcome to For Your Info. English. You got it. Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to another exciting edition of FYI for your English, the podcast where we learn about all different subjects and we learn English along the way. I hope you guys are enjoying the different topics that we look at. Topics is temas. And remember, if you have any suggestions, I'm always open. So you can drop me a line on my social media. Uh, you can find all my social media links at my website, which is albertoalonso.com. Take a look around. You'll find videos, radio shows from my daily radio show, the show with no name, which is on Vaughn Radio. So what am I getting at? ¿A qué voy? There's so much content out there to help you have fun and learn English. So... Let's get started. Calling all gym bunnies, gym rats, is another way to say it. This is a weird one, isn't it? Somebody who frequents the gym, somebody who goes to the gym very often, we call a gym bunny. A bunny is a very cute way to say a rabbit. So I guess if rabbit is conejo, bunny would be conejito. When we think of Easter, Pascua, Semana Santa, we think of the Easter bunny in the United States. We don't say the Easter rabbit. And then there's one which I don't think is as cute. Mono, as you say in Spanish. Hey, wait, we're talking about a lot of animals on this episode. Isn't this episode about gyms? Well, we're getting there. I think the word gym rats is not as cute as gym bunny. So you decide. I'll give you both. They're both ways to say someone who goes to the gym pretty often. A gym bunny or a gym rat. Are you a gym bunny? Are you a gym rat? Well, if you are, then you're going to love this episode. All right, let's take a look at the intro. I said as much as it pains us to admit it. Now, this is interesting because pain is dolor, but if it pains me to say something, me duele decirlo. Another synonym for pain is the word hurt, right? It hurts me to say it. It pains me to say it. And I know a lot of you are familiar with the word hurt. I just want to make sure you pronounce it okay. We don't say hurt or hurt. It's hurt. Say it with me, guys. Remember, one way you can improve your listening is by listening to these podcasts. But if you want to take it a step farther, un paso más allá, well, then all you have to do is repeat the vocabulary aloud. And remember, if you guys want the bonus audio that comes with this and PDFs, which can guide you and help you throughout the episode. Remember, you can get those by becoming a member at 
patreon.com. It's patreon.com slash Alberto Alonso, and there are tons of different options for you. So take a look at it and see which option is best for you. If you subscribe for three euros a month, you'll have access to the bonus audio and much, much more. For just 10 euros a month, you'll get the bonus audio, plus you'll get worksheets and vocab sheets so that you can follow along with the episodes. But I don't want to bore you with all that. No os quiero aburrir. I'll just give you the link again. It's patreon.com slash Alberto Alonso. And again, if you're not sure, let me know. Drop me a line, dime algo, and I'll send you some of the bonus content uh, just to see what you think of it. And while we're talking about Patreon, I just want to send a shout out to some of my patrons. We've been growing so much, so thank you to all of you for that. But uh, I can't mention all of you. In fact, I thought about it when I was preparing the show. I said, I'm going to mention all my patrons. But then I realized we would spend five minutes doing that. So I'll mention the top two tiers. Tears son niveles y suena igual que lágrimas. It sounds the same as <laughs> those tears. A nice shout out and a special thank you for those of you who are enjoying the podcast. You have these people to thank. So thank you to my interstellar students, Pilar, Diana, Carmen, also my super duper students, Loles, Alex, Desiree, Mila, Javier, and Eva. And all the rest of you who I can't mention for lack of time. Carencia de tiempo. Then I said in the intro, the summer is done and dusted. If something is done, es terminado. I think a lot of you have heard that before. But when we really want to say done and it's over for good, we say done and dusted. It's a nice double alliteration. You know we love our double alliteration in English. Then I said it's back to the grind. We can say back to the grind or back to the grindstone, whichever one you prefer. And I think the translation here would be like la vuelta al cole o al trabajo. It's back to the routine is what this idiom infers. Then I said memories aren't the only things we'll be taking back with us. Los recuerdos no son lo único que vamos a llevar con nosotros de vuelta. If you're like me and you've packed on a couple pounds. Now remember, you guys use kilos, but in the United States we use pounds. No, I don't mean the money pounds. I mean pounds when we're weighing something or someone. So we say to pack on a couple pounds or to put on a couple pounds. Now, obviously, if you're in Europe, you just change pounds for kilos. Then I said, it's time to get back in shape. This is a great one because we can play with this word. So if you are in shape, that means you're good. You're in shape. Estás en forma. If you are out of shape, then you need to get in shape. But if you were in shape before, then you have to get back into shape. You see how we can play with that word? And shape is literally forma. If you think about shapes, we think about the basic circle, square, right? That's also another use of shape. So remember, don't think of words as just one-dimensional things. Think of them as ideas because you can get so much out of just that word shape. Shapeless, something that doesn't have a form. Water is shapeless and so on and so forth. Then we heard a little whistle, un silbido o pitido, right? A whistle, and I said, drop and give me ten. Drop es al suelo. Drop es cae, no caer, o al suelo. Drop and give me ten. And when I said ten, in this case, I meant 
push-ups, flexiones, I think you say in Spanish, push-ups. It's a pretty logical word because you're pushing your body up off the ground. Another logical word is sit-ups. You say abdominales because you sit up. Te incorporas. So are you guys ready to break a sweat? To break a sweat is to start to sweat, but it would be more normal for us to say to break a sweat. In fact, sometimes we use it when we're joking. So when something was really difficult, you say, I didn't even break a sweat. Ni me puse a sudar. Careful with the pronunciation. I've heard many students say sweet. And trust me, sweat is not sweet. El sudor no es dulce. Yes, that's right. I'm back with my jokes. Yeah, well, guys, I told you. I'm a frustrated comedian deep down. The next thing I love, to take a gander. I know many of you know to take a look at something. But another way we say it is take a gander. Échale un vistazo. Take a gander. I like teaching you guys synonyms so you have a lot of different options and your vocabulary is very rich. So take a gander. Try using that one instead of take a look. So take a gander at the gripping world of gyms. Gripping. If something is gripping, it's very entertaining. It's very exciting. The gripping world of gyms or gymnasiums. Remember, the word gymnasium is the full word, but nobody really says that. We say gyms. And are gyms gripping, really? I, I don't think so. I've never, you know, gone to the gym and had a gripping experience. But you know me. I said it before and I'll say it again. I love my double alliteration. The gripping world of gyms. Double G. <laughs> All right. So why do we go to gyms? I just said myself, I'm not a big fan of gyms. I've been a member of many, many gyms, but that doesn't mean I go. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Guys, signing up, apuntándose, uh, that's not enough. You have to sign up and then you have to show up. There you go, two phrasal verbs. Hay que apuntarse y luego presentarse. We have a great expression in English as well. I think I've said it before on the podcast. Showing up is half the battle. A veces en la vida presentarse Ya, ya lo tienes hecho. It's what, what, what this expression really means or is trying to say. So, some people love gyms, but I'm not a big fan. Another way to say this, I'm not too keen on gyms. And it's really because I love being outdoors. I've got nothing against gyms. I think it's a good idea to have a place where people go and they take care of their bodies. And, well, they're, when you take care of your body, usually you're taking care of your mind and your spirit. They all follow. They're all linked in some way. So why do we go to the gym then? Well, exactly for what I just said. Because we don't only want to look good. We want to feel good, too. And let's be honest, when you look good, you usually feel better, too. I, I insist they are linked. The, the most positive I've ever been in my life, uh, the most optimistic I've ever been in my life, is when I was doing exercise on a daily basis, a diario. But many of you who know me know that I go up and down. I've, I've never been good at keeping the weight off. Because one thing is putting on weight or putting on a couple kilos and then losing it. But putting it back on, that's my problem, see? So obviously going to the gym is one step in the right direction. But also we've got to, you know, focus on our diet as well. Careful with the pronunciation there. It's not focus, it's focus. 
we need to focus on our diet as well. I, I insist you, you shouldn't go to the gym uh, for two hours and beat yourself up, hardcore workout, high impact, and then go to Dunkin' Donuts. No offense to Dunkin' Donuts, there's a time and a place for everything. So I guess people go to the gym for different reasons. But in general, we all want to feel better mentally, physically, and spiritually. And going to the gym and eating right, having the proper diet, that can assure you that at least you're going in the right direction. But be wary of fad diets. Wary. Ten cuidado. Be careful. It's another way of saying be careful. Be wary of fad diets. And fad diets are estas dietas de tendencia. They never work. Remember, a diet should be something that is not temporary. A diet should be a change in your habits. Because if you say, I'm not going to eat pizza for six months, but after six months, I'm going to pig out and I'm going to eat 10 pizzas, well, you might as well just eat the pizzas. You see what I'm saying? So I'm no expert, but I know that I think the key is not just doing a diet or going to the gym, but it's actually making those two things, a good diet and exercise of some sort, even if it's just walking. All that stuff will make you feel better. And some people, well, some people, that's not enough. They don't just want to look good. They want to get buff. Buff is grande. They want to get ripped, right? I think you say cachas, buff, or ripped. And I know some people who go to the gym just to pick up. Yeah, to pick up, no, I'm not talking about picking up keys, recogiendo unas llaves. I mean to pick up girls or to pick up guys. Si, van a ligar. I'm sure that you're all familiar with the guy or the girl who's walking around the gym, not really doing much exercise, just checking everybody out, echándole un vistazo a todos, and, uh, and, you know, chatting more than doing it. In fact, chatting, I guess the muscle that this person exercises the most is their muscles in their mouth. So, as always, we should take a look at the history. When did people start going to gyms? Or when did this idea of a gym first come about? Well, we have to rewind 3,000 years into the past. Let's go. And we are in Persia. That's right. We are in Persia. We're hanging out with the Persians. And we are at one of their Zurkanhe. Zurkanhe. I'm sure I'm mis mispronouncing it. I'll put it in the show notes. A Zurkanhe is literally translated as a house of strength. Casa de fuerza. So this is something that uh, the Persians already had 3,000 years ago. It was their equivalent of a gym. And this was a place where you could go and you can do physical activities, such as martial arts. And there was something that they saw in the records, some kind of Iranian yoga. So they already had classes, these Persians. And by the way, we're going to look at some of the most common classes in the bonus section of today's show. So the Persians, they were ahead of their time. Now, there was just one thing that was not good here. And this, this actually happened for a long time. Gyms were exclusively for men. Women were not allowed to use gyms. So that didn't change. And we're going to look at when that changed as well. But these places, these Zurkanen, this, these were places where men went to improve their speed, velocidad, their endurance or stamina. 
as we say, and their concentration. And obviously, what were they doing too? They were preparing for battle. These people were warriors, these men. So they were getting strong to look good, but also to be a stronger race, una raza más fuerte, and have a stronger military. See, there are always ulterior motives. Then the Greeks came in. How could you have history or ancient history without Greece? Well, just like in Persia, the gyms of ancient Greece, they were just for men as well. Right? Como el producto. Just for men. But, uh, and, and the same thing. They were meant for warriors or soldiers who were training for battle. But the Greeks, I'll tell you what. For them, it was not just about getting buff. Getting ripped. Poniéndose cachas. For the Greeks, they wanted to work on the mental aspect too. Remember, we said mind, body, spirit. So the Greeks added the mind part. And these places, these early gyms that the Greeks had, they were also centers for philosophy and education. So people would go there and they would also learn and they would philosophize. Now, this next part, you're not going to believe. It blew my mind when I read this. After the Greeks, the concept of the gym faded into oblivion. What does that mean? It disappeared. The whole idea was erased from all the cultures that were known at that time after the fall of the Greeks. La caída de los griegos. So why? Why did people forget about these places where you could work on your body and, well, in Greece, on your mind too? It almost sounds like a modern university. Well, it was because most people didn't need to follow an exercise program. Because after that, survival was more the name of the game. So they did enough physical exercise in their everyday life to have to go somewhere and do it. I remember my father. My father grew up on a farm, you know, in the middle of Almería, in the middle of nowhere, I should say, in medio de la nada. And when he used to see me go to the gym, I said, Dad, why don't you ever go to the gym? He goes, we never had to go to the gym when I was a kid. We were always lifting heavy things and moving all day long. So I guess that's a similar thing. People didn't need gyms. They lived very physical lives. When I say physical, I mean physically strenuous. They were working in the fields. And the members of the lower class, well, they struggled, lucharon, just to earn a living. So they weren't, you know, thinking about, oh, I'm going to go to a gym. They were thinking, I need to buy milk for my kids. So this idea of going to a gym became like a, you know, a distant idea, or I should say a distant memory. People were not as interested in leisure, and they didn't need to work on their bodies because they just worked so much. So when did gyms come back? Well, things began to slowly evolve. This was the second half of the 19th century. Cuidado con esta palabra, half. No pronunciamos la L, no half, sino half. And more and more people started to take an interest in fitness and in health. So uh, members of the middle and upper class were looking for ways to improve themselves. And exercise formed a part of that. There was something called the bicycle craze. Craze es una moda. This was in 1890, and tons of people started taking advantage of these new bikes that were getting, not just getting people from A to B, but people were getting a little bit of exercise in there as well. All of a sudden, de repente, it became fashionable again to get in shape and to do exercise. 
a very prominent feminist in the United States, Susan B. Anthony, called the bicycle the freedom machine. Uh, bicicleta, how do you guys say this one? The, the one in the gym, we call a stationary bike or an exercise bike, which now those are the ones that are very popular as well as normal bikes. But Susan B. Anthony called normal bikes freedom machines, kind of like the car when you're a teenager. When you get your license, well, you kind of get your freedom a little bit. Well, bikes were seen in the very same light. And this was the 1890s. Now, at the same time, an increasing number of gyms were popping up. A Swedish doctor named Jonas Zander was creating uh, exercise machines, things that look like our modern-day exercise machines. And uh, we'll talk about those. We're going to look at all the different exercise machines that you'll find in a gym and their origin. But we'll take a look at that in the bonus part of the show. You guys aren't going to want to miss that part of the show. So now we fast forward to the early 1900s. In the 1900s, gyms were centered more around universities or colleges, as we say in the United States. So remember I said before, the Greek gyms were kind of like a university. Well, here we go. Enter the university. And this was great because now young men and women could take part in these kind of activities, exercising. Remember, another way to say to do exercise is to work out. So this was good because now it was co-ed. Co-ed means men and women. And this was also the time that the YMCA was founded. No, I'm not talking about the song. It's fun to stay at the YMCA. It's fun to stay at the YMCA. No, not talking about the song. I'm talking about the place the song was based on, the YMCA. And there's also the YWCA. In the United States, they call it the Y. So now... This became a nationwide thing. There were organizations setting up these centers that are similar to what we would call a gym today all over the United States. Then came the 1930s, and there were several new innovations, and one of those was boxing gyms. A lot of boxing gyms were springing up, another way to say popping up, in urban areas. So this was uh, another way to get people to do exercise and, in my opinion, to get people off the streets so they're not selling drugs or doing other things that they shouldn't be doing, really. Getting into trouble, as we say. Now, the problem with these boxing gyms, though, although they popularized the idea of gyms, these were for men only. Not like today, where everyone is welcome. So the 1930s was big for another reason as well. This was when a man named Jack LaLanne. Now, in the United States, I think everybody's familiar with this guy, Jack LaLanne. And this guy opened up a health club. See, depends what you call it, too. A health club or a gym. And he made it like a club. He made it like this exclusive place where you could come and you could be a part of a group and you could get in shape and really maybe even meet people. And that was in Oakland, California. This was probably the closest thing to the modern gym that we know today. So Jack LaLanne, you can't talk about gyms without talking about Jack 
Lillane. Many experts refer to him as the godfather and his center in Oakland, California, the first health and fitness club in the United States of America. And just like Dr. Zander, the guy we talked about before who invented a lot of these machines, well, Jack LaLanne did the same thing. He invented tons of machines that many of you are probably using nowadays. And you know what? I'm going to tell you a little bit about Jack LaLanne and his health clubs because I was a member. That's right. So I'm going to tell you all about my experience being a member of the Jack LaLanne Club. I was a member when I was in college, in Universidad, and there was a center near me. And can I tell you something? It was so much more than just a gym. It was like a spa. And I'll tell you more about it in the bonus part of today's show. Now, another guy we have to talk about if we're going to talk about gyms is Joe Gold. Jose Oro. Joe Gold. That's right. The owner and founder of Gold's Gym. I imagine many of you guys have seen it. It's a very famous t-shirt, Gold's Gym, which was opened in Venice, California. As you can see, California is a first for many gyms, and that's because California has always been known as a very health-conscious state. So Joe Gold opened what was called Gold's Gym in Venice, California, and this became a landmark for local bodybuilders. It was dirty, it was gritty, but the people who worked out there got buff and they looked great. And uh, he was known as well for being a great trainer. He was always encouraging his students, uh, kind of like our modern day personal trainers, which we're going to talk about as well. And you might recognize one of Joe Gold's students. I'll be back. That's right, Arnold Schwarzenegger was one of Joe Gold's students, one of his protégés. He worked out at his gym in 1968 when he first arrived in the United States. And Arnold Schwarzenegger says that Joe Gold is a trusted friend and father figure. Hey, I'm trying to do my best impression of Arnold Schwarzenegger. And Joe, just like his predecessors, Dr. Zander and Jack LaLanne, also revolutionized gyms and sport in general, bodybuilding. But Joe Gold took the money and ran because in 1970 he sold those gyms. But, uh, well, if you guys want to see the story, very fascinating story because he really popularized not just gyms but lifting weights and just wellness in general, looking good, feeling good, things that now seem obvious. I recommend the documentary Pumping Iron. I'll put the link in the show notes, and it tells the story of Joe Gold and Gold's Gym. Then we go to the 70s and 80s, and this is when the next gym revolution took place, and this is where chains of gyms were popping up or springing up all over the United States. And the 70s and 80s is when it became normal to pay a membership fee, right? Fies honorario or tasa. You could pay a monthly fee or a yearly fee. So that became commonplace in the 70s and 80s, the whole idea of being a member and paying a membership. And now everywhere you look, there are gyms. There are gyms that are open 24 hours a day. Don't believe me? 
I was a member of a gym that was open 24 hours in New York City. And I'm going to tell you about that experience as well. Quite interesting people you'll see at a gym at midnight. So I'll tell you about that in the bonus part as well. This was in Chelsea in New York City, 24-7-365. That was the name of the gym. Yeah, 24-7-365, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. We have to get going, my friends. That is the end of the podcast. But remember, if you want to get bonus audio, join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Alberto Alonso. Remember, if you're not sure, contact me and I'll send you the bonus material just to see what you think of it. I'll send you a little sample Una muestra. In the bonus part of the show, we're going to look at my experiences at Jack LaLanne, also at the 24-hour gym in New York City. Plus, we're going to see what uh, being naked has to do with gyms. And we'll look at vocabulary having to do with gyms, health, and wellness, and much, much more. So join us in the bonus part of FYI.